Okay, okay, great, great, great. Good evening, everyone. This is a, a special board meeting of the Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing Authority for Tuesday, March 31st, 2021, being conducted via webcam, video, and teleconferencing for the purpose of the public hearing for CMHA fiscal year 2021 through 2022 annual plan. The meeting is now called to order. Roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Present. Mr. Weedman. Present. Mr. Harris. Present. And the chair is present. We have a quorum. Um, agenda item number three is the public hearing for the CMHA annual plan for fiscal year 2021-2022. During the comment period required by HUD, CMHA accepted written recommendations from the public on the annual plan. A copy of the summary with the con uh, comments and CMHA's responses was sent to the individuals and organizations that submitted comments. A final summary will be posted on the CMHA, CMHA website on April 17, 2021. At this time, the floor is open for the public hearing on the annual plan. The board will hear comments only about the annual plan for fiscal year 2021-2022 at this time. Members of the public who have joined via video conference and dialed in through the teleconference link who wish to speak, please identify yourself by name, address, and organization, if applicable. And when your name is called, please restate your name and speak directly to the board. So thank you. Are there any, um, and is there anyone who wishes to address the board? And Mr. Secretary, do we know if anyone has joined the Zoom meeting for that purpose? Um, we, we're, we don't know, but we usually keep the meeting open um, for the 15 minutes in case somebody does show up. Uh, I'll just make a comment that we received two comments uh, pertaining to the Housing Choice Voucher Program. And we actually took those comments into consideration. Uh, Gary sent those out to the board and uh, we will make um, changes to our, uh, we're proposing uh, at our next meeting when we present to the board to approve the annual plan, uh, those changes and recommendations will be included. And they were just pertaining to um, a couple preferences of partnership with uh, Cincinnati Public School for uh, homeless youth um, and um, allowing uh, our Sutterview, as you all know, we just uh, closed and reopened it um, for the time length for uh, people that moved in to receive a voucher. Those are the only two comments we received. Wonderful. Who is going to be our timekeeper? Uh, I have already started the clock. With a, would you open the floor, sir? So I've got Thank it you. running right now. Okay. Uh, shall we stand down um, with our audio on? Um, yep. If anyone needs to uh, needs a moment to themselves, um, um, I guess you can hear if someone has chosen to address us and rejoin. Otherwise, Gary, we're uh, 
the 15 minutes is up at what time, please? We've got uh, about 12, 12 minutes, a little, well, 12 and a half minutes left. Okay, very well. I would ask Elliot, do we show anybody calling in? There's no one waiting currently. All right, thank you. Everyone is in the meeting. Okay, but like Greg was saying, we wanna give anyone an opportunity to uh, come on the call between now and the allotted 15 minutes. So, um, I, I think we, it, it might be appropriate for us to just um, be silent until someone comes along. Uh, does anyone have another thought? No, I think, I think that's what we usually do, Mr. Miles. Okay. All right. We'll make like Quakers and be silent for a while. I could see the uh, younger people are kind of giving me the fish eye with that. They've never been to a Quaker meeting. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the exciting part is when someone speaks out of the silence. <clears throat> Could be about anything. Mr. Miles, I'll have you know that I um, frequently, when I was younger, went to uh, Quaker meetings uh, and enjoy the silence. And I, you know, as at 39 years old, I count myself as young. And so I absolutely do know about the Quakers and their traditions of silence. And you're exactly right. <laughs> well, silence would be the most exciting part. And you might guess that I usually was the person that uh, broke the silence. So I know <laughs> it's a shocker to all of you over this. <laughs> over this time I, I know you guys are so surprised that i had something to say um but the silence really did move me yeah uh, anyone who's not experienced a, a quaker meeting and i'm on this because of our so-called silence which is a, i'm not being very silent but uh it, it really is a special thing isn't it reggie it absolutely yeah. is yeah My hometown of Richmond, Indiana was settled by Quakers. And there was um, a recording studio called Jeanette. And in the teens, in the 1920s, the musicians who were traveling from the Mississippi Delta to include New Orleans to Chicago to work and perform, um, stopped in Richmond, Indiana. And at Gannett Studios, um, in part because it was a town settled by Quakers, was open to uh, Louis Armstrong, Jelly Roll Morton. They first recorded their music in little Richmond, Indiana, which at one time was bigger than Chicago. Wow. And, uh, what year was that? Eighteen seventy-eight, eighteen eighty. Yeah, maybe a little earlier, Tom. <laughs> uh, well before mm. Mrs. Uh, Malone's cow. What was her name? <laughs> but uh, 
there were also a lot of uh, bluegrass musicians who uh, traveled from Kentucky to first record in Richmond, Indiana. Hoagie Carmichael first recorded Stardust in Richmond, Indiana. Um, Lawrence Welk and his band recorded there. But the, there's a story about Louis Armstrong. He played so loudly that um, he had to go into the room <laughs> Uh, outside where his orchestra was played, so he wouldn't distort the re the recording. Uh, I I thought that was cool. So I don't know much about Quaker. I don't know much about Quaker silence, but um, I'm Episcopalian, and they do a silent retreat every year. And my grandmother would take me to that silent retreat in Glendale at the Sisters of the Transfiguration all up until I was like in the seventh grade. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Episcopal churches are America's ver version of the Church of England, right? Right. Yeah. And, and their services are very similar to a, a Catholic mass, aren't they? They are. Very, very similar. Yeah. Hey, Laverne, was that at Bethany School? Yeah, it was. It's next to Bethany. We went to the um, to the church that was there. Yeah, on the grounds. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a beautiful church. It is. Yeah. It is. Our kid, our, two of our three boys went to Bethany. Oh, okay, okay. Well, they're responsible. The sisters um, opened the school in Lincoln Heights, and we had St. Simon's School um, oh, yeah. up until about the. Um, I want to say the late, maybe the early 60s. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So I'll share with you. I grew up in Chicago. Um, Chicago has a very rich, strong Black Catholic tradition. So my grandmother was Catholic and she went to Mass in Latin and I grew up going to Black Catholic churches. And I actually didn't have, and I, like my teachers in Catholic school were like Black nuns and I, I had my first uh, white teacher when I was in fourth grade and she was a nun and she introduced herself and she said, I'm a nun. And she said something. And I was like, no, you're not. And she said, yes, I am. I like, she was so shocked. I said, no, you're not. I was like, Catholic people are black and you're white. So, and she was like, well, uh, Catholic people are black and they're white and they're also all shaped. And so I was just so confused. I went home with my grandmother and I said, like, like grandma, like, oh my grandmother, yeah, yeah. I was like, so I had this new teacher to get in fourth grade, you know, like she's a white woman. She says she's a nun and she says she's Catholic. Is that possible? <laughs> she was like, where did you get this idea? And I said, I just, we go to Catholic church all the time. I've never seen a white person in church. And then she had a moment where she was like, oh, I guess it is your experience. And so then we had a very long talk about the history of the Catholicism and the Vatican and all of these things. But, you know, third grade Reggie was just like, no, black people are Catholic and we'll have to go the way. That's fabulous. What a great town, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. If my father were with us, he would be 106. 
wow. He was 44 when I was born. Um, his third marriage that, that, that we know of. <laughs> <laughs> and he would tell me stories about growing up in Al Capone, Chicago and all the establishments that were uh, located around town. But, oh, they must have had a lot of fun. Yeah. My grandmother was born in uh, 1921. Well, she, she passed away in the early 2000s, but she was born in 1921. Yeah. And she was actually, it was interesting for, she was born in Chicago and her mother was born in Chicago. So she was very like proud of the fact that like I was like a fourth generation Chicagoan. And so um, she grew up through that era. And then the woman who raised her was a, a bar owner. And the name of the bar was uh, Do Drop In, which I thought was like <laughs> the best name ever. And so she would just have all of these stories about navigating Bronzeville in the early sort of 1940s, I think this would be. And with, you know, all of the characters that would come in and yeah, I mean, just the, it's just, it was very interesting to have this very personal description of Chicago history, right? Like a very like, close perspective of like the larger historical things that were happening, particularly through, and you know, this was after the Compone days, but like that sort of organized crime space. So yeah. <laughs> but we had George Remus. What, what did Faulkner name him? Um, the Great Gatsby. Anybody know that history? Yeah. yeah. Great Gatsby. It was said that George Remus was even bigger, an even bigger bootlegger than Al Capone. He had more judges and senators on his payroll than, than uh, Capone. And his neighbors, the neighbor kids loved him in Price Hill where his home was because he would open a swimming pool to all the neighborhood kids. Um, which is fun to think about being around in those times and being a kid in a neighborhood like that. So how are we doing, Gary? Are we close? Two minutes and 10 seconds. <laughs> okay, Reggie, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But um da dum dum dum. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have. I don't have anything. Oh no, I do have one story I'll tell though. I can tell in two minutes. So we'll go back to Al Capone. My grandmother, uh, my grandmother's sister. So Maddie and Margie. Margie is my grandmother. Maddie was her sister. Maddie was uh, a door-to-door -door insurance sal salesman on the South Side of Chicago. She was the first Black woman to sell insurance, uh, and for Metropolitan Insurance on the South Side, and. Um, she had this, uh, and so you would go and apparently you would sell insurance, but then you would do home visits to your agents to make sure that they're okay with their insurance, which I thought was like fascinating. So she would like have coffee with all these people. She sold and maintained this relationship with this, this uh, gentleman. She says they were friends, but you know, the way that my <laughs> mother tells it, there was a little bit more. He was Al Capone's valet and would tell all of these stories about how 
they would get the Packards, they would get the, the, the men at the Packard plants to create false um, compartments in the Packard that Al Capone would buy to carry all sorts of things. So that's, uh, that is my Al Capone Chicago connection. Now I get my theatrics from my great aunt Maddie. So I think I would take that story with a grain of salt. <laughs> We're listening, Reggie. We're listening. <laughs> but that is definitely the story that she told everyone in our family. So. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Oh. What, Mary? <laughs> Al Capone's back bar is in a bar at the Riverwalk in New Orleans from his house in Chicago. There you go. Where's the Riverwalk? This is time. That, is that in the quarter? Right, right on the river down at the foot of Canal Street. Oh, wow. Okay, back to business. Uh, uh, are there any other speakers that come before the board pertaining to the annual plan? I'll assume not. Since there are no requests to speak, the floor uh, is uh, now closed. Uh, if there's no other business to come before the special board meeting, may I have a motion to adjourn? Motion. motion. Thank you. Second? Second. Thank you. And we'll call Ms. Mitchell. Okay. Mr. Weedman. Aye. Mr. Harris. Aye. The chair votes aye. The motion passes and the annual plan public hearing meeting is adjourned. Now we move on to the uh, instrumentalities contemporaneous uh, board meeting. Uh, we're holding this monthly meeting virtually via webcam and teleconferencing on Tuesday, March 30th, 2021, as approved through Ohio's novel coronavirus response bill, which directly affects how local governments throughout the state operate in conducting public business. These sweeping changes were originally approved Thursday, March 27th, 2020, and extended until July 1st, 2021, via House Bill 404, approved November 19th, 2020. Commissioners, I'd like to acknowledge our general counsel, Joy Gasaway, on her retirement after 20 years with CMHA. Today will be. Congratulations! Yes. Wow. And today will be Joy's last board meeting. And on behalf of the Board of Commissioners, we want to wish Joy luck and say thank you for your years of service that you provided to this organization, the board and the residents is uh, quite uh, a significant achievement. Thank yes, you so yes. much. Great job, Joy. Thank you. Well, thank Joy. you all. And it's been a pleasure representing the House and Authority uh, these years. And uh, I look forward to uh, continued success. I have nothing but good thoughts and memories uh, that I'm taking with me. I plan on leaving all the problems behind <laughs> for my colleagues, but I'll take the uh, our, our collegial 
uh, Esprit de Corps with me into retirement. Thank you so much. Well, uh, you're most welcome. And, uh, you know, I've heard from uh, all the others throughout the community, including uh, uh, judges and others in the courthouse who uh, have the utmost regard for the way you conducted your work on behalf of CMHA and all stakeholders. So thank you, Joy. You're welcome to join in any future Zoom meetings. <laughs> just, yeah, I thought I just might uh, come to the next public meeting to be part of the go. public. We'll, we'll be looking for you. <laughs> so moving on, uh, this is the contemporaneous meeting for instrumentalities that do not have any new business or matters requiring de deliberation. The meetings of the following instrumentalities, <clears throat> Laurel Holmes One, Lincoln View Incorporated, Reserve on South Martin, Southwest Ohio Housing Development Incorporated, Cary Crossing Development Corporation, West Union Square Development Corporation, Sutter View Development Corporation, Pinecrest Rad Development Corporation, Park Eden Evanston LLC, Park Eden Apartments Development Corporation, Mariana Terrace Development Corporation, and Bennett Point Development Corporation are hereby called to order. Roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Present. Mr. Weedman. Present. Mr. Harris. Present. The chair is present, we have a quorum. Commissioners, have you reviewed the February 23rd, 2021 minutes for these instrumentalities? And if so, are there any corrections? <clears throat> Hearing none, may Motion I have a motion? To, thank you, a second? Second. Thank you. Roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. Mr. Harris. Aye. The chair votes aye, the motion passes. There's no new business for these instrumentalities. Motion to uh, adjourn. Thank you. A, a second. Yes. Thank you. Roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Aye. Mr. Reedman. Aye. Mr. Harris. Aye. Okay. And the chair votes aye. The meeting is adjourned. Now we move on to the regular meeting of Touchdown Property Services Incorporated for Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. The meeting is called to order. Roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Present. Thank you. Mr. Reedman. Present. Mr. Harris. Present. And the chair is present. We have a quorum. Item three is approval of minutes. Is there a motion? motion? Thank you. A second? Second. Thank second. you. Any corrections to the minutes? Hearing none, we'll move on to roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. <clears throat> and the chair votes aye, the motion passes. Item four is discussion of recommendations. Resolution number 123, approving the financial report for the month of February 2021 with collection losses. Is there a motion to accept? Motion. Second? Second. Thank you. Any questions from the board or discussion? Hearing none, roll call, Ms. Mitchell? Aye. 
Mr. Weedman. Aye. Mr. Harris. Aye. The chair votes aye. The resolution passes. Resolution 124 to approve the monthly financial statement for Hamilton County Affordable Housing, Springdale Senior Limited Partnership, doing business as Baldwin Grove, the Reserve on South Martin, Cary Crossing, West Union Square, Sutter View, Evanston, Pinecrest, Park Eden Apartments, City West Retail, and Touchstone Property Services for the one month ending February 28, 2021 for calendar year 2021. Motion. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Any questions? Discussion? Hearing none, roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. And the chair votes aye. The resolution passes. Now, resolution 125, authorizing the CEO of CMHA to negotiate and enter into contracts for solicitation TP21-1002. Rumpke of Ohio Incorporated and a not to exceed amount of $200,000 per year for maximum five-year contract for the board approved budget funded by operating supplies. Motion. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Any questions or discussion? Yeah, do we uh, Oh, go ahead, Greg. Uh, Mr. Chair, I would like to make a correction uh, to say operating uh, funds instead of operating supplies. Yes, it should. Um, noted. Uh, is that sufficient or do we need to have a new? Um, well, motion to, approve it. motion to approve the change. Second. Okay. And um, any questions on that motion? Hearing none, roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. The chair votes aye. The resolution passes. And if there's no other business to come before the board. Okay, yeah. I, have, I have one question. Actually, I thought, we, I thought we were voting on the change and right. not on the, on the resolution yeah. itself. Uh, but the fact that we were voting on the resolution, so I was just curious, did we, have we gone out to... Um, when we go to Rumkey, do we just go to Rumkey or do we go to CSI, some of the other ones that are, uh, I think there's two or three people that are collecting trash. There's four that have licenses, franchise okay. licenses with the city. It's Bavarian, but they only do dumpsters, Bestway, um, Republic, and Rumkey. Okay. Bestway is not interested in doing our properties. They do do the waste services for campus. Republic, we've tried and we're not getting responses out of them. Okay. All right, uh, I will make a motion to adjourn. Thank you, a second? Second. All right, um, any questions or discussion? Hearing none, roll call, Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. The chair votes aye, the resolution passes, the Touchstone Property Services Incorporated meeting is closed.
Now the regular board meeting of the Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing Authority for Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. The meeting is now called to order. Roll call for attendance, Ms. Mitchell. Present. Mr. Weedman. Present. Mr. Harris. Present. The chair is present. We have a quorum for the meeting. Item three is approval of the minutes. Is there motion, a motion? motion to approve? Thank you. A second? S second. Thank you. Any uh, corrections to the minutes? Hearing none, roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. The chair votes aye. The motion passes. Item four in our agenda is presentations, of which we have two presenters this evening. First, we have uh, Ms. Rima Ruber with the Choice Neighborhoods Planning Grant Overview. And uh, so, Rima, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. You're welcome. And just one second. Okay, can um, everybody see my presentation? My PowerPoint? Yes, yes ma'am. Okay, great. So good, good evening, commissioners. I'm gonna be doing a um, Choice Neighborhoods Planning Grants uh, presentation. And um, since uh, Mr. Harris has already um, uh, been involved with a uh, Choice Neighborhoods uh, Grants, he may jump in and take over anytime he wants. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'll go ahead and move forward. Okay, so my uh, presentation agenda, I'm gonna do a general overview of the, uh, the grant. Gonna move into discussing a little bit about our target neighborhood and our public housing development. Uh, discuss the transformation team, move into the planning process and the schedule, and then end the presentation with the discussion about the assets and investments in the West End. So starting with the grant overview. So as you know, uh, we submitted a grant application in uh, September of 20. Uh, we were awarded in December of 20, we were awarded 410,000. We executed all the grant agreements in February of 21. It's a two year grant and the completion date for the grant is March of 23. The uh, Choice Neighborhoods grants have been reported have replaced the former Hope 6 uh, grant uh, from 2010. That was the last year we had um, a Hope 6 grant and that was the first year we had a Choice Neighborhood uh, grant. The uh, Choice Neighborhoods grant takes uh, the Hope 6 grant to the next level by broadening the properties and activities that the resources can be utilized for. Um, when we submitted the application the, uh, for 2020, there were 50 applicants and there were 11 awards this year. We had over uh, 35 partners and letters of support at the submission of the uh, grant application. And uh, the uh, Choice uh, Neighborhood Planning Grant, we had over 60% financial leveraging, which equates to about quarter of a million dollars. And uh, we uh, as well had additional in-kind donations of time and services from our partners. So the Choice Neighborhood is a competitive grant program that allows flexible resources for local leaders to help transform high poverty distressed neighborhoods into a mixed income neighborhood with affordable housing, safe streets, good schools, what every family needs. It leverages significant public and private dollars to support locally driven strategies through a comprehensive approach to neighborhood transformation. 
so to accomplish these goals, CMHA and uh, partners must develop and implement a broad and wide-ranging neighborhood revitalization strategy, or what the grant calls a transformation plan. To this end, uh, Choice Neighborhoods Planning Grant must focus on three core goals, which is housing, people, and neighborhood. The housing goal is to replace or redevelop the housing with quality mixed income units utilizing different options such as acquisition rehab or new construction or substantial rehab um, and so on. The people element is to replace or redevelop housing with quality mixed, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> the people element is to improve outcomes of households living in target housing related to employment, income, health, and education. The neighborhood section um, is to create conditions necessary for public and private reinvestment in the neighborhood to offer the kinds of amenities and assets such as safety, good schools, commercial and retail activities that are important to families. Moving on to the discussion on the target neighborhood and the public housing developments involved. So uh, CMHA's uh, Choice Neighborhood Planning Grant was awarded for the neighborhood of uh, the West End. And the public housing developments, which are incorporated into this grant, is the Stanley Road Towers, the row houses, the Liberty Street apartments, they're, they're all within the West End neighborhood. And as you can see from this map, it's this blue colored section that is the West End neighborhood. And the gold or yellow star um, um, is the location of our development. So just a brief history of the West End from the 1920s to 1950, the West End was a thriving center for African-American families and culture. The population in its peak was uh, over 60,000 individuals. Unfortunately, the implementation of the urban renewal program in the 1950s uh, ripped up their neighborhood by demolishing over 400 acre section of the neighborhood, which displaced more than 26,000 families and numerous businesses. Today, the population base is approximately 6,600. And that that was largely to build the interstate highway, Rima, or for some correct. some other reasons. No, no, that is completely correct. It was to bring in the highway uh, was the main uh, primary reason. Um, so anyway, this slide uh, represents um, the public housing site that is the core of the planning grant. There's the Stanley Road Towers A and B, which you see up here. <coughs> Excuse me. Stanley Road Tower A has 207 units, and Stanley Tower uh, or Stanley Road Tower B has 151 units. Altogether, there are 358 units in the towers. And right up here in the corner, you see the Stanley Road row houses, which is made up of 66 units. And then down here, you see Liberty Street Apartments, which is across from these Stanley Road apartments. It's right here, and it's 130 units. Um, so what we have also um, is um, a, a redevelopment planning process that, again, as I had suggested or, or stated before, we can have, use a variety of different options, such as, as I said, substantial rehab, demolition, new construction, acquisition with rehab or new build, and um, various other options. There is um, a HUD requirement for one-for-one -one, uh, replacement housing, which can be on-site, within, or close to the target neighborhood. These properties reside on 12.5 acres, and there's approximately another six acres. If you see the highway over here on the other side of the highway, 
which is CMHA's um, campus and administrative offices. These six acres will also be an option for housing to bring the overall total to um, 18 and a half uh, acres that could be available for housing. And so on this slide, what, um, as I said, there is probably, there is 554 apartments and the Stanley Road Towers, uh, as I stated, they, uh, are 358 of the 554. There are, the two buildings are 13 and 14 story uh, elevator buildings and the uh, mix is from a efficiency apartment all the way up to a two bedroom. The Stanley Row Row Houses are two-story townhomes. There are 66 uh, two-bedrooms. Um, and the Liberty Street, Liberty Street Apartments, there is 130 family apartments. There are three-story walk-ups and their bedroom mixes, mixes go from one bedroom all the way up to five bedrooms. So a um, quarter of the tenants that live at these developments are 55 and over, and 40% of the tenants are kids under the age of 18. 95% uh, of the tenants are considered uh, extremely low income, and the average income of these developments is approximately 8,400 annually. Can, moving can, on you, to can you go back to that? slide I, I i want to see the uh, income numbers for a few more seconds sure. okay thank you okay sure so i'm moving on to the discussion of our transformation team so the lead grantee is cmha uh, we are the grant administrators and the main contact with hud we have a planning coordinator which is the community business institute who will lead all the planning efforts for housing, neighborhood, and people groups. Uh, then we have our neighborhood anchor institution, which is Seven Hills Neighborhood House. It's the West End Community Development Corporation. It was founded in 1961. And we will be using um, you know, their site for some focus groups and workshops, and they'll hold um, some of the information on uh, choice neighborhoods for the community. Uh, then the planning team will also include community ambassadors who will uh, be selected from these housing developments. There'll be four adults and four youth who will help uh, communications with uh, the residents. There are also three task force um, that are, are going to be set up to lead the planning efforts uh, in the core areas of housing, neighborhood, and people. The housing group is going to be led by CMHA, our director of development, Gary Barrett. The neighborhood group is going to be led by the LIF, uh, their executive director, Kristen uh, Baker. And the people task force is going to be led by the Seven Hills Neighborhood House, their director of community engagement, Tia Brown. We have also established uh, here in the corner, as you can see, uh, a choice advisory council, which is going to be co-led by CMHA's very own CEO, Gregory Johnson and the City of Cincinnati's uh, Assistant uh, City Manager. The Advisory Council provides oversight and decision-making function for the team. CMH has assembled over 50 public and private partners to participate in the various task groups, with the residents being involved in all three groups and being well represented in the Advisory Council also. Moving on to our planning process and our scheduling. 
So as I said previously, our grant was awarded in December of 2020. We began planning in January of 21. And as I've stated before, uh, the grant has to be completed by March of 23. In February, we had a choice neighborhood, I'm sorry, choice advisory and task force leadership meeting. And then we also had a three-day HUD kickoff meeting through Zoom and a virtual tour uh, utilizing drone footage of uh, the developments and the neighborhood. In March, we had a resident leadership meeting and multiple general resident meetings. We also had a choice neighborhood all task force kickoff meeting in which CMHA and all the partners participated. We also submitted our grant budget and our schedule to HUD in March and it's currently being reviewed by them. In April and the months moving forward, uh, the task force and resident meetings will continue. During the spring and summer, uh, we're gonna be conducting resident needs assessments. We'll also be doing site due diligence. We are going to be procuring and starting work starting to work with a master design planner firm, planning firm. And uh, we'll also be doing a neighborhood inventory and some early initiatives. In December of 21, we will be submitting an outline of our transformation plan to HUD. In June of 22, we have to uh, submit a draft transformation plan. And by December of 22, we have to submit our final transformation plan. Community engagement. CMHA will continue its commitment to transparency and resident engagement through the challenging times of the COVID-19 pandemic. While uh, it really does limit our ability to have face-to-face -face meetings, we will be uh, delivering information to each resident's uh, door or using, e or using mail. We will also be hosting multiple conference calls and Zoom meetings using site-based uh, information centers set up in buildings. Uh, we'll also use dedicated email addresses, Choice Neighborhoods website, our Facebook, and email blasts. We will ensure that information is accessible for all individuals. Um, our task groups will be leading topic-focused charrettes to gather information in an interactive and creative manner. Our neighborhood task force will lead identification and updating of neighborhood characteristics and assets by conducting surveys and asset mapping. They'll also collect data from the various city departments and Cincinnati Metro. All outcomes will be shared during resident and community meetings to help us better understand what the results mean. Moving on to our last topic is our neighborhood assets and investments. As you can see from this uh, slide here, uh, the West End has all the necessary ingredients to create a community and resident-driven transformation plan. We have over 50 committed partners. We have baseline data sets from previous planning efforts. We have integrated planning process established by including leaders that live and work in the neighborhood. We have neighborhood assets to build upon, such as the schools, the youth and community centers, health centers, art gallery, library, business and workforce development, such as West End Business Alliance, Mortar, as well as parks and recreation. There's also economic investments that uh, will benefit the West End community. At the time of the our application uh, submission, there was $294 million worth of investments identified. 
And the investments were uh, items such as the 200 million uh, FC Stadium, $10 million investment to build the new CPS Stargell Stadium, 300,000 for the historic uh, stabilization of the Regal Theater, 7.4 million in the infrastructure, street and safety improvements that began in April of 2020 by the city, close to $22 million uh, worth of renovations to their Herbley School meant for housing and many other projects. This concludes my presentation and I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay, any questions from board members? I don't have any questions, excellent presentation. Can you send that to us, uh, Rima? I'm happy to, I will forward it to Ms. Yeah, the electronic version would be great. Sure, absolutely. Thank you. No, it's, it's, it's super exciting. And I think that um, it'll be, I'll say this and then I'm gonna run away with all of the attention to FC Cincinnati and the stadium that this is uh, a very positive for the application because of the number, uh, because of the amount of investment we'll be able to mm -hmm. count in the footprint and how much that investment will go. I mean, it'll go a really long way. So that that is um, really bodes well for our grant and then, you know, with the implementation grant. So that's exciting. I just want to make one comment as Rima was going through that. If the board notices that in every other slide, Rima mentioned who was going to be part of every committee, and that's the residents. So uh, this will be heavy, heavy resident driven um, process. And we chose uh, on purpose two partners that. Um, have come to our board meetings in the past to talk um, about some of the decisions we were making. So on purpose, we chose uh, the community partners that were right there in the community. And so far, it's, it's, it's been going pretty good on um, both sides of the communication. Um, so uh, we, we're, um, we're in for a lot of work. Um, but uh, in a little bumpy ride, um, because uh, a week ago, I gave a presentation to FC. I was requested to do that um, because of the proposed or the perception of displacement. Um, so uh, that, that process went pretty good. But uh, we're making sure that we keep the residents out front as far as decision making um, as we go through this process, but I, I would agree it's if, if, if not if when we get through this, it'll be it'll be really good and it'll be neat for the community, but it'll be uh, monumental for the housing authority and everyone that's on this call that's putting all the work in to get it done. Good. good. All right. Any other uh, comments? If not. We'll next hear from Ms. Mary Kosick with an asset management services update. Mary, the floor is yours. Hi, everybody. Thank you guys for letting me do this. Hi. Hi. Um, I just had a vision that I did this whole presentation on mute and Mr. <laughs> made me do it again. Unmuted. Um, 
So I'm kind of nervous, but this will do good. Okay. Um, my um, presentation. As um, asset management services, it's um, next slide. I have several um, umbrellas that go under my department, which is family self-sufficiency, relocation, compliance, Envision Rock Centers, Connect Homes USA, and Kramer and Associates. And the first one next is family self-sufficiency. Next is you um, all aware, or this is a grant funded program. For this calendar year, we received $364,652. And this pays for the salaries of our staff. Um, currently, we're all doing remote, um, working remotely. So during this time from July to March 2021, we have done um, 279 annual recertifications, 139 interim recertifications. Next. Mary, uh, yes. uh, let's see, do we have a budget to have more participants at this moment? Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. Uh, with, Are you gonna get to that? I, I don't wanna yeah, get you during, out of order. Yeah, a little bit, but during COVID-19, we've had, you know, um, our participants has had a lot of change in their income with being laid off and things. So our enrollment has been down, but we're going to continue and ramp up that the next part of the fiscal year. Mm -hmm. So currently we have 364 participants on the HCV FSS program, and we have 17 um, residents who are participants in our FSS program on the asset management side. We've had 27 new enrollments. We've had 10 escrow disbursements, 10 people have graduated off the program, and we've had actually one home ownership closing during this time. Next, um, I also have the relocation department. We do all the relocation within the agency. Um, the first is RAD relocation, and this time period only covers July through current, because um, Sutterview, most of the moves were already previously done. So. During this time, we've had 45 moves and at Sutterview, which is closed now. Evanston, we had 49 moves, which is also closed. And Pinecrest, we've had 169 moves. And Pargeden, we've had 46 moves. We have completed um, check requests for 337 residents to receive um, moving expenses. Um, notice is delivered, um, in which it includes a monthly newsletter that the rat that we have for our RAD relocation, and we also included some construction information. So we're making sure that our residents are, we're communicating with our residents at least on a monthly basis, if not more. Um, so during this time at Sutterview, we delivered 500 notices and uh, newsletters. Evanston, we delivered 716. Pinecrest, we did it, delivered 1,200. And parking, we delivered 904. Next slide. The upcoming RAD relocation, we haven't received um, the RAD um, the RCC yet, but we're gonna, we've been delivering 90 day and 30 day notices to Mariana Terrace, which is 350. We delivered 96 notices to Horizon Hills. Beachwood, we delivered 450. Riverview, 525, and San Marco, 270. And that's- the a RCC is relocation, perhaps? It's the RAD, um, Conversion commitment. Okay. 
Okay. Um, and that's a picture of our monthly newsletter. We um, try to tell our residents again about all the moves and we included construction and development in that newsletter as well. Um, next, um, internal transfers. We've had category one, we've had 62. Emergencies, we've had 60. Occupancies, we've had 70. Reasonable accommodations, we've had 43. And other, we've had 38 moves in addition to the RAD relocation moves. Next, is those some, just some of the pictures of some of the units, which you can see some of them are new rehab units. And those are the movers that move our residents. Next, yeah. compliance. We developed a compliance team that audits internally. And during this time we've audited, we've conducted 1,090 audits within the agency. And as a result of that 1,090 audits, we have developed an additional five SOPs. So we can improve our making sure that we're in compliance within all departments. We've also done 82 grievance hearings, that's on both sides of the program. And that could be um, their voucher was terminated, they were um, denied housing, or they had some um, rental, you know, um, rent issues on the property management side. So those are, and everyone's allowed entitled to a grievance hearing. Next, um, compliance, they conducted 34 trainings on various subjects, including income and assets, file submissions and compliance. And this was all to our staff at various Zoom meetings. So they've been really busy. Next, the Envision Rock Center. This is a little um, pet project. I, I really enjoy doing a lot for this. Um, the Envision Center's mission is to centralize hubs that provide residents, resources and support needed so that our residents can excel. Um, Next, before we got the HUD Envision designation, we had the Resource Opportunity Center, which we developed, Mr. Johnson, Marquita, they all worked with the residents trying to um, garner what they wanted out there, the services that they wanted out there in the community. Um, so it was a long process before we received the HUD designation on August 12th, 19, or 2019. So there was a lot of work put into that prior, prior to that. But in order to be an Envision Center, you have to meet the four pillars. And that is an economic empowerment, education advancement, next slide, health and wellness, character and leadership. And of all those pillars, we have social service providers that can provide those support services to our residents. And we continue to get more partnerships. It's been a little slow during COVID. Mind you, we keep constant contact with them. We have Zoom meetings with our service providers. Hey, what are you guys doing? Making sure that our residents know that you guys are still there and we're providing that information to our residents so they are not alone out there. Okay, number next. Um, because of the COVID and we closed the doors in the Envision Center March 14, 2020, our outreach coordinators that work with the Envision Center, they are doing, um, they're making phone calls to the residents of Winton, Harris and Finlater Gardens, letting them know that we're still here, we're still operating a little bit differently. Um, we're still providing referrals to our social services. If they have an issue, we're trying to direct them to those services. So we're not alone. So they're not alone and we're not alone as well. 
Um, we've also provided over 50 flyers of um, whether it's what the service providers are currently, how are they currently doing business to COVID information. We're giving out um, employment information. Um, and these are some of the things, summer um, crisis programs, social security. We gave um, information about voting registration transportation to the to get to the voting polls so there's a lot of information that we continuously try to get out to our residents next and um in february it installed three computers to for each of our envision centers um they also have scanning and printing capabilities in january the trauma center with his which is associated with seven hills wanted to come back to help our residents, thought that it was a good idea to try and take some small steps. So um, they did two small groups, less than six individuals, and they've had six meetings, six Zoom meetings so far. But the big um, boost that we've had so far is jobs and family services returned to the Envision Center on March 9th. And as long as I'm gonna show you, um, our numbers are starting to increase. Um, number next. Pre-COVID-19, as you can see, we were, we were really on a, uh, we were just full steam ahead. We had 21,687 knocks and visits to our residents. There's not one visit. We kept continuously going back with additional information for our residents. We provided 532 um, referrals, scheduled appointments 106, walk-ins 689. Uh, that should say post-COVID right now, we are only doing phone calls and making the referrals and we're all, we've done 7,531 7, phone calls and 1,499 referrals. Next, as you can see, September 2020, we were just down to the phone calls. We did 872 um, referrals were 148, but then you jump down to March when Jobs and Family Services came back we're able to, we've been doing 1,605 calls. We did 205 referrals, scheduled appointments. We had 168, that is such an increase. Zoom calls, we've had seven and 138 individuals walked into the office make, trying to make appointments, meeting with jobs and family services. So I think we're off to a good start and we're only gonna get better with the next quarter. Next. Um, here's some of the events that we've had. You know, we miss our barbecues, but we just don't want to do those until it's safe. Um, we've had pop-up violence intervention prevention with COA and Urbanly. We've had winter coat distribution with CareSource, COVID-19 testing and immunization and food giveaways with Inspirational Bible Church. So we're still, we're still there, but it's just a little, little bit different. Um, next, Asset Management, Connect Homes USA. Um, the mission of Connect Homes is public-private collaboration to narrow the digital divide for families and school-aged children who live in HUD-assisted housing. Next, um, CMHA submitted an application to become part of the Connect Homes USA and, receive appro and received approval in 2019. So CMHA decided to do an RFP for, to provide Wi-Fi to five family communities using CARES Act funding provided to the housing authorities. The properties include Mariana Terrace, Seti Coons, Ralph Street, Horizon Hills, and Beacon Glen. We got the biz back and the cost was so high that we had to um, change the scope and 
eliminate Horizon Hills and Beacon Glen for now, I say. Um, so next, we've, we're gonna move forward with uh, Mariana Terrace, Seti Kuhn and Rouse Street, and we're gonna provide 142 families, 143 families with what free Wi-Fi for five years. And once that five years is up, Cincinnati Bell is committed to looking for grants so we can continue this service free to the residents or little to no cost. Um, as I just stated, Cincinnati Bell won the contract. We've had a kickoff meeting. They've done their site walkthroughs. They finalized the fiber optic plan. They're pulling their permits and we're implementing um, Mariana Terrace and then Seti Coons and Ralph Street. And this is all gonna be completed by August 2021. So this is great. We're notifying the residents this, hey, you guys are going to get this. So this is a great um, co in combination with the RAD project and Mariana Terrace. So it's, it's a win for both of us. Um, Kramer and Associates is another project that we took on um, trying to inform our residents about um, COVID-19 and we um, pay for this through the CARES Act. What they've done, what they have done, is gone out into the community, and they've reached out to over 60% of CMHA's residents, letting them know about the COVID, letting them know about the services, trying to help them get any kind of services that they need, so that they are not um, feeling left alone. Whether it's free store food bank or whether it's just information about COVID they're there to help. So they've really been out there in the community. Um, next, they've been um, at the Beachwood holding educational on COVID, Corona Health Fair at um, Riverview. They've been to Baldwin Grove. Um, they've been to Stanley Row. They've been to um, Marquette Manor and they've also been to Sitton units. Um, and they've had door-to-door -door educational blitz. Um, they're actually really committed to doing this project and doing it well. So we've had great responses and they, and also they let, um, they have let the individuals, our residents know about any COVID vaccinations that are happening with UC Health, also Tri Health. So they've been really informing all of our residents of what is out there for their benefits. And the next last one is questions. <laughs> And I was so thorough that I don't think I'll have any questions. <laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Hey, Mary, that was a great presentation. Can we get that electronically sent to us as well? Yes, you may with a small fee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there was a conversation this week, uh, particularly about the cities, uh, how they may choose to spend COVID CARES Act funds or the most recent uh, funds from Washington. Um, the, 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 there seemed to be some question about what, uh, which of those expenditures or what expenditures would be <clears throat> eligible for COVID funds. Um, we, we don't have that concern with the funds we've received and how we've allocated them, do we? We're not gonna have that revisited, are we? 
No, we're, we we um, we we understand the rules on both sides of the house, and we've chosen to make sure we're spending our funds that on everything that is COVID related. So, as Mary was speaking about this last um, vendor that we hired, all of that was COVID related. Uh, checking on people about getting tested, going door to door, sending information out. Now it's on vaccination, and. Uh, Either and on, on the housing choice voucher side, uh, what we did was put together, try to get uh, families housed and try to get landlords to house families by offering them an incentive pay. And so all of those items, and we've done more. Uh, Mary didn't go over the community policing that we um, done at Winton Terrace. So we partnered with Urban League to do uh, their community policing program there. It's just getting started. Um, and then obviously buying PPE and buying uh, computers and laptops um, for staff to work remotely. All of that is COVID related. So we, we won't have that problem when we get audited on what we spent the, the funds on. Um, I will say though that I'm very upset that the city came out with their stimulus of $290 million and we've submitted them a plan for a million dollars a year to help us with our transformation. And we did not get any consideration out of $290 million of just $1 million in assistance as we go through our billion dollar transformation. I think Mr. Miles is frozen. I think so as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, you go. there you go. There we go. Okay. Well, <clears throat> you know, it's 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 a relief to hear your answer about how you allocated uh, the funds that came to CMHA. Um, hmm. um, I, I, I share your disappointment in uh, the city's not recognizing the leverage that CMHA offers on top of each dollar that they may choose to spend through their own silos. Um, and uh, I hope that's not the end of the conversation. If I know you, Greg, it won't be, <laughs> right? Well, um, we're, we're, still having, we're still asking the question, um, but um, yeah, we're still asking the question. We're still asking the question. And uh, the county, um, we did a, I did a presentation a couple of weeks ago at the county and the county is putting together a plan for affordable housing. And so they actually set aside, I believe a million dollars to work on a plan. And I know the county administrator is working on submitting recommendations to the county commissioners. And uh, after I gave a presentation and talked to him about it, and um, I, I believe we're gonna be favorable in that um, uh, recommendation as we go forward. Um, mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, it just seems that with the breadth and depth of your staff, um, it, it, it's hard to imagine that anyone in Hamilton County, uh, including the city and the county 
can do with a dollar what you can. Um, and it, it seems unfortunate that they might duplicate duplicate staff. Uh, they may not realize economies of scale uh, that working with you would bring to the objectives. So, um, you know, I invite any other board members to uh, um, ask any other questions regarding Mary's presentation. Uh, any other thoughts or questions? I just have one comment, um, Mr. Miles. You asked, uh, I think when Mary was given her numbers on recertification, actually we have over 400 people in that program. So um, we're actually trying to ramp it up and um, add more, as Mary said. But today we have a really, really healthy program, um, which is for 434 people. And we do that for just over $300,000, which is really good for that many people. And uh, these residents are in this program for five years. So we're, we, we have a healthy program. Um, um, I like to push it up towards the 600 mark. So, um, but you know me, I like to push my luck a little bit. So, but. Uh, here, here, um, here. Yeah. And, you know, when we had this conversation two or three years ago, uh, it, it's grown exponentially in, in terms of that 400 number plus, 400 plus today. So, um, but, you know, it, it, it's just <laughs> uh, a wonderful barometer of um, self-sufficiency uh, being achieved. And uh, so, any other questions? And, and the only thing, other thing, the last thing that I want to add to it um, is that um, as the board well knows, we worked on our mission a few years ago with that partnership. And as you can see with Rima's presentation and Mary's presentation, we've leveraged, uh, with Mary's presentation, we leveraged over 40 uh, community partners. So we haven't recreated the will, we just leveraged and opened our doors with partnerships. And as Rima said, over 30 partnerships um, that we've leveraged. And just between those two, we're almost at a hundred partnerships. We're just leveraging um, and it doesn't cost us anything, but conversation um, and opening our doors. Um, so I, I just wanted to make sure that, because I think that that is right in our mission, but it's huge because, um, and that's not even counting the partnerships that we've leveraged through the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Um, so that means that what we're bringing additional services to our residents and not recreating the will, we're just trying to manage the process um, that we're not here before uh, and not spending any additional dollars out of our coffers. Excellent. I've been on the board long enough to remember <clears throat> when CMHA did have people on staff who, uh, as you're reminding us today, we've found uh, partners in the community, which is more appropriate and a, a better um, uh, way of avoiding mission drift for housing agency. Okay, so um, Mary, Rima, thank you so much for those 
big, big presentations. Big presentation. Yeah. And uh, now we move on to uh, public comments. Uh, and we have no requests to speak this month. Uh, item six is discussion of secretary recommendations, the financial report, resolution 5515, approving the bad debt write-offs for February, 2021. Is there a motion to motion. accept? Thank you. A Thank second. You. Thank you. Any questions or discussion? Hearing none, uh, roll call, Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. The chair votes aye, the resolution passes. Resolution 5516, to approve fiscal year 2021 February financial statements for the Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing Authority. Motion. Thank you. Second. Second. Thank you. Any questions? Hearing none, roll call, Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. Mr. Harris. Aye. And the chair votes aye. The resolution passes. Item 6B is request for appro approval to solicit bids for the following items. Resolution 5517, providing authorization to proceed with the request for proposals and solicitations for general goods and services from outside vendors. Solicitation 2021-4005, architectural services for Logan Commons and Northside Scholar House. Solicitation 2021-5003, printers, scanners, multifunction devices. Is there a motion to accept? Motion. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Any questions? Hearing none, roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. The chair votes aye. The resolutions pass. Item 6C is resolutions to award contract renewals. Resolution 5518, authorizing the CEO of CMHA to sign a third one year contract extension option for contract 2018 7003. Year end and pre audit readiness services with Rubino and Company chartered in a not to exceed amount of $40,000 annually for a maximum five-year contract paid for by management services funds. Motion. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Any questions? Hearing none, roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. And the chair votes aye. The resolution passes. Now, resolution 5519 authorizing the CEO of CMHA to sign a one-year contract extension option for contract 2019-7003 for general legal services with Adam Stepner, Walterman and Doozy, PLLC, Bricker and Eckler, LLP, Coors and Bassett, LLC, Dressman Benzinger Lavelle, PSC, Penny Law Firm, LLC, Graydon Hedden Ritchie, LLP, Heiss and Winstrip Company, LPA, Manley Burke, a legal professional organization, Rendigs Fry, Kylie and Dennis, LLP, Strauss Troy Company, LPA, Wood and Lamping, on an as needed basis, not to exceed $200,000 per firm annually for a maximum five year contract and not to exceed the budgeted amount paid for by operational funds 
administrative fees, management services funds, and development funds. Motion. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Any questions or discussion? Hearing none, roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. And the chair votes aye. The resolution passes. Now, resolution 5520, authorizing the CEO of CMHA to sign a one-year contract extension option for contract 2018-3009-01. Public Housing Conversion Consultant with TRW Consultants Incorporated, CSG Advisor Incorporated, CVR Associates Incorporated, Dominion Environmental Group Incorporated, Doing Businesses Dominion Due Diligence Group, Hawkins, Delafield, and Wood, LLC, and Recap Advisors, and not to exceed amounts of $200,000 annually for maximum five-year contracts, paid for by management services funds, capital grant funds, and development funds. Motion. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Any questions or discussion? Hearing none, roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. Mr. Harris. Aye. And the chair votes aye, the resolution passes. Resolution 5521, authorizing the CO of CMHA to sign the second one-year contract extension option for contract 2019-5001, healthcare brokerage services with Haran Associates Incorporated and a not to exceed amount of $50,000 annually for a maximum five-year contract paid for by management services funds. Motion. Thank you. Second? Second. Thank you. Any questions or discussion? Hearing none, roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. And the chair votes aye. The resolution passes. Item 6D is adopt a resolution award the following construction contracts. We don't have any construction contracts this month, over $100,000 uh, per resolution 5442 approved August 25th, 2020. The CEO has authorization to sign contracts in an amount not to exceed $100,000. In February, there were five contracts at $100,000 or below with total expense of $361,000. Item 6E is adopt a resolution general, resolution number 5522, authorizing the CEO of CMHA to negotiate and enter into a contract for solicitation 2021-1003, waste collection services with Rumpke of Ohio Incorporated, and a not to exceed amount of a million dollars for a maximum five-year contract or the board approved budget funded by operational funds. We have a request to amend the amount of this resolution to $940,000. Is there a motion to amend this? Thank you. A second? Second. So, so we're actually, just for clarification, we're actually, uh, we're, we're uh, not to exceed the amount is now 940,000 versus 1 million, is that correct? Correct. Okay. And that is cumulative over a five-year period, correct? That's for one year. That's Last it. Year. Yeah, right. Last year we spent nine hundred and twenty-nine thousand. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so a lot of money on trash. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I'm forgetting the term, but staff sometimes themselves or with an outside consultant um, before an RFP, they get what is expected to be an amount to earn the bid. Oh yeah, I don't doubt that they did due diligence diligence in terms no, of getting the no no Reggie, I'm I'm kind of extending uh, the comments so far. Yeah, um, right. What what did staff um, approximate the cost of the uh, contract? Um, Janelle, he's talking about when you did your ice independent cost estimate. Yeah, independent cost estimate. And I do not have that with me. What we did for the ICE was we looked at all the individual costs, like how much for the for the cart, how much for a four cubic yard dumpster, how much for a six cubic yard dumpster instead of the cumulative. Um, I don't think the prices went up that much. But you do have you did have, as you said, the pre what we spent the previous year and then if there was any units that we had to add to it because we brought units on or take off. So um, the cost that we're estimating it to be is somewhere in the neighborhood of 930,000, 20, between 920 and 30,000. And so that's why we reduced our million dollar ask. Sure. So when we, um, when Janelle did her ice, um, she based it on what we've spent before and Tom, when you asked that original question, that's why she was all over it and knew because we were desperately trying to get other um, organizations to bid on this um, to get some competitive pricing. And we used to have Best Way, but they just quit because they're from Kentucky um, and they just didn't find it um, uh, cost effective to, to move, haul the trash up and down. Yep. the highway yeah so yeah. and and on top of that if you guys remember um the city of cincinnati passed a, a ordinance that they would only pick up trash this ordinance was directly directed at cmha so um and it, and it included our four units where they're saying they would only pick up certain size units so this actually caused us to go into the trash business more than we would ever need to or want to in just our budget. So really this year, last year and this year are our first years of really realizing a full year of the expenses. And then obviously the trash cost is going up because we do a lot of trash outs and we do a lot of dumps and we dump when we trash out units and things like that. So um, our cost in this area is going north instead of south. Yeah. I'd um, also say, yeah. you asked before about what companies could do the trash and there's very, just the four of them that have the franchise. When we pay them, there's an extra 25% franchise on their gross proceeds that go to the city. Yeah. No, I mean, I would just say from my perspective, it's, you know, I don't do operations of a large scale uh, housing authority. So sometimes I hear these numbers and they just sound um, huge. And obviously when I think about it for two more seconds, it makes sense, but and it was very clear that you did your due diligence on this, um, but. But it's a big line item in our yes, it is. budget. And uh, 
it's it's gratifying to hear what you're sharing that was beyond in our board books. Um, what is the Best Buy satellite facility just over the line in Indiana in Greendale? Are you familiar with Best Buy? I think it's a Best Way. Sorry. Yeah, it's, I live in Kentucky, so that that's who I can use. Um, they will service the campus, but they don't want to do the residential I in see. Ohio. Yeah. And and did I understand correctly that um, somehow they have to add a surcharge to deliver to the city? 25%. If they're, if any of our properties are in the city, then whatever Rumpke charges, they have to add 25%. That extra 25% goes to the city. Are we the only ones? And the, and the city stop picking up our trash. Yeah, right. Well that's what's unfair. Yeah. That's unfair. That's, that's unconscionable. This is crazy. Well, um, you know, I share your reaction, Laverne. I think I'm hearing it at Tom and Reggie, too. Not to be unreasonable, but is this the end of this? Or do we have some opportunity to um, bring, bring a more um, equitable um, arrangement? Maybe, maybe I'm missing what you're trying to share with us, Greg. Uh, in terms of why the city justifies this. Reduce their costs. And then as you hear Janelle saying, they reduce their costs and then they got a, a payback, a premium on the backside because when companies pick it up, um, they have to pay additional premium. It, we're not the only one. So if they came in to pick up somebody else's, it'll be a 25% on top of that also. Greg, but, when you say somebody else's, what do you mean? Are you talking about co corporations? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so but, everybody's paying it. But yeah, but we're the largest landlord in the city of Cincinnati because of most of them, they pass on that fee to their renters, right? Right. Uh, we don't. We eat. We have to eat it. Mm -hmm. But what 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 about commercial sites that have uh, offices and they're dumping paper and other similar disposables to what a household. They, they pass on that cost to the renters of those commercial spaces. I mean, I think that, you know, hearing you, Mr. Miles, some to the larger point about this moving forward, I think that, you know, in the city of Cincinnati, there are lots of conversations about um, affordable housing and how do we provide it and what do we do and Greg and I have had this conversation. I think that as we look to next administrations and even with some of our current county administrations, we're going to begin to turn the corner in uh, recognizing the importance of CMHA in this conversation um, and then be able to have the relationships that we need to have to have conversations um, about things like this to you know, request exemptions and things for um, you know, for an organization like CMHA because of the service that we we provide. So that's where I see long-term, you know, is when we're moving into these next, you know, few years where we'll be able to, to go. Well, um, great. Uh, it, it just, I'm just wondering if uh, among all the users 
who are in CMHA's category um, were to talk to one another, and I'm including commercial um, uses, not simply limiting it to residential uses. Um, gee, I, I, I wonder what all of us together could provide this service for. Uh, now, don't, don't, <laughs> I realize what I just said. I just put us in the trash business, but maybe there's a pool that could be formed and um, there might be some vendor who might bite on that. You know, you know, it's, it's no different than, than uh, electric and gas aggregation. I mean, exactly. In fact, we are looking in Sycamore Township, I can tell you, we're looking at putting an aggregation program in for trash because we think that we might have some advantages. And I believe Cole Ray may have already done that. But the interesting thing that, Greg, are you telling me that when the city of Cincinnati goes and picks up uh, uh, Joe Smith's house, picks up their trash, and then we have a, we, when we have a, a house next to Joe Smith, are you saying that they don't pick that trash up or they do? They don't. They, it's a, it's a two, they, it's a, and Janelle, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a four. They only pick up two story. I mean, a two family uh, or less. Okay. Um, so, um, no, they, they, you, you're, you're, you got it right. Um, we have to provide for our properties and pick up the cans, the green cans and all of that. So we, we, we had to rush I think because it, it happened in the middle of a year for us, we actually had to rush um, and get cans because, you know, the city had city cans and all of that. We had to rush and get cans from it was best way because they gave us a really good rate to get the business. Um, and then best way, they just didn't have the manpower. Their trucks kept breaking down on the highway. And they just said it wasn't worth it. And we didn't, that happened like overnight. <laughs> uh, so we woke up one day and they were like, we're not coming back. So, and then it took them forever to come and get their trash cans. So we, we, we had to scramble to, to get it. Um, you know, Janelle and, and Marquita them did a really good job of making sure that we stay consistent in getting our trash picked up. Um, so, um, through this whole process and it's, what has it been four years, Janelle now three, three or four just years looking it up really quick. It looks like it started in 2013, 2014. The problem is, is that franchise tax that's up to 25% now that's just skyrocketed the last couple of years. It wasn't that high. It was one thing that we had to start paying to get the garbage, but then the, the tax makes it worse. So who, who decided on the franchise tax? Was that city council? They actually, okay. So is, you know when that happened? The 25%, I can look, look for it and send it to Mr. Johnson to send to you. I can work with Jared if you want us to yeah. pull the ordinances for you to see. I'll tell yeah, you what I, we yeah. could do. Uh, so Jerry, can you pull the ordinance and then pull the ordinance apart and break it down for us? And then I'll send it back out to the board on exactly when it started and the particulars, because there's, it's particular if you read through it, because um, I know when, 
when Joy first pulled it down, it looks like it was built for us. You know, uh, I could be wrong, but I, I'll, I'll give it to you guys and let you guys look at it and see what you think. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to so, see it. Yeah. Okay. You know, if there's some opportunity uh, in aggregation for this service with local governments, um, maybe, um, you know, Rumpke might see some economies of scale. Um, who, whoever the vendor ends up being, it just seems like, um, okay, so it's a 25% franchise tax. So what's to keep them from coming back at us again? Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, the only other downside is when you look at an aggregation program, then you, you uh, going back to what Janelle said, you need, you need competitors and participants. And if you don't have them, then yeah. one guy is going to take advantage of you for sure. Yeah. So that's the real, that's the real challenge in, in trash. Um, so when a community like Sycamore Township, where there are a lot of individual homes, when a community like Sycamore Township does that, um, they're we're more apt to potentially get CSI or possibly Republic or somebody like that to come and say, we'll give you one can for trash and one can for recycling and that's it. Everything's gotta be in the can, blah, blah, blah. And so we're more apt to have the ability to do that. But when you, when you are looking at something as big as CMHA, they're probably saying, eh, you know, just like that's why he says, eh, it doesn't pay for us to do this. So that's the challenge I think we have from, mm -hmm. Bigger isn't always better, I guess is my point. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Certainly mm -hmm. it is in, in electricity and gas, but sometimes it's not always better. Bigger isn't always better. So, so how many um, local jurisdictions are picking up, have their own employees picking up residential uh, cans, garbage? Do you think, Tom, in um, Hamilton County? No, I'm not sure. I know Glendale does. I know Cincinnati does. Um, Laverne, I don't know. Do you know any of anybody else? I can't think. Of Lachlan, Lachlan does. Lachlan does. Okay. We can uh, get information on that to you too. I think we've gone through a lot of the jurisdictions have already, they have their contracts with different companies. So those we pull out of the solicitation. Yeah, but he was talking, Janelle, he's talking about who employs their own staff to do it versus contracting. Yeah. And, and, and we could approach those jurisdictions and say, um, you know, we're spending what we're spending. Um, is any of this, is any of our business interesting to your jurisdiction? Uh, I guess the thing that really aggravates me is you listen to these people on city council talking about how we need to, we need to have more public housing, uh, low income housing or affordable housing. And then you get stuck in the backside for a quarter million dollars just to pick up trash. I think, right. part of my expression, but that is really bullshit. I'm sorry. That is really, no. that's really not right. And I think I think we should probably try to pursue this in some way. Um, back mm -hmm. with. Have you talked to Cranley about this at all, Greg? No. No. Mm -hmm. No. Um, I wonder. Uh, <laughs> um, well, um, per perhaps in all this conversation is something to continue chatting about. And um, my, my suspicion is that when they implemented this tax, uh, affordable housing 
was not the popular subject that it is today. And uh, they are just desperately looking for money. But uh, Tom, it's an undeniable point, you know, uh, who is the best partner the city could have when it comes to providing affordable housing and the capacity to add to it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I wonder if there are other voices that could go to someone like the mayor or to whom it would be someone who would be open to receiving this message uh, so that it's not Greg, uh, you know. We probably, should talk, we probably should talk about this offline. Okay. Yep, I agree. Yeah. All right. Greg, if you can just get us the uh, um, ordinance. ordinances, that'd be great. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's see, on uh, resolution 5522, um, we have a motion, motion and a second, right? Yep. Yes, that's correct. Okay, roll call, Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. And the chair votes aye, resolution passes. Uh, now the board will go into executive session to reduce staffing and real estate. Is there a motion to accept? Motion. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Thank you. Roll call, Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. And the chair votes aye. The uh, motion passes. Hey, Greg, I, I'm assuming that we don't need the rest of the staff to stick around, correct? Uh, no, but we need to make sure Mr. Miles reads the last statement there, Mr. Miles, the yeah. last bullet point there. Yeah. Uh, there will be no vote during the executive session. All other attendees oh. may be excused from the meeting. <laughs> okay. So um, we are now in executive session. Thank you, everybody. I think we're going to move to executive session uh, room, different room, I believe, aren't we? Right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, so can we have just uh, some instruction on what you want us to do? Do we need to? You just stay there, and I'm going to invite you um, momentarily. Just stand by. Okay. Very well. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Bill, he's actually going to send us a different um, a link to go into a different room, a different okay. session. There it is. Okay. Click join. Correct. There we go. Okay. okay. Gary, are you sleeping over there? He is. <laughs> <laughs> now, Gary is probably writing the agenda out for the next six go. years. Exactly. <laughs> with reminders and text reminders. Right, right. And you have to go through and find them, right? <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we're back in uh, uh, the uh, uh, board room virtually and may I have a motion to come out of executive session? Motion. Second. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, roll call. Ms. Mitchell? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Mr. Harris? Aye. The chair votes aye. The motion passes. Motion to adjourn. 
Thank you. Second. Thank you. Roll call, Ms. Mitchell. Aye. Mr. Wiebman. Aye. Mr. Harris. Aye. And the chair, excuse me, votes aye. The motion passes. The regular board meeting is adjourned. Just, I just want everybody to uh, to get on the TV and start rooting for Michigan. <laughs> right, you, right, right. Uh, okay, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm I, leaving want, I, wanted, I wanted to tell you guys. I, I don't know if I remember if I told you guys collectively, but um, my thank you so much. You guys helped chime in on my son winning that yes, award. Yeah, yeah. But he actually got a uh, a big award. He, he got a scholarship. So we celebrated that last month. So I just wanted to tell you guys, thank you. So where did he get his scholarship to? He got a scholarship to uh, Goshen College in Goshen, Indiana. Okay. Um, um, so he's got a, he got a full ride academic and athletic. So wow, that's awesome. uh, wonderful, oh, wonderful. So we're happy, we're happy yeah, about that. that so, is really not surprised growing up in the Johnson household. So, uh. <laughs> so we're, we're really happy about that. So thank you guys for your vote. So. Congratulations. He is he is in the right state for basketball because well, yeah. the males <laughs> come out of the womb with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, I have to run. Take All right, bye bye. All right, see thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Elliot, thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, Gary, Thanks, everyone. Um, can you make sure you send the board those two PowerPoints? Absolutely, sir. No okay. problem. Thank, Will do. thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Sure.